It's January 26, 2020, and the world's most popular musicians are inside the Staples Center in Los Angeles for the 62nd Annual Grammy Awards. Taking the stage now is Tyler, the Creator, wearing a blonde bob-cut wig, sunglasses, and a pink and red suit. He's gathered around a trash can bonfire alongside Charlie Wilson and Boyz II Men, who begin to sing an acapella rendition of Tyler's song, Earthquake. Earthquake is Tyler's biggest song to date. It's got a memorable, easy-to-sing melody. It only makes sense that Tyler would perform it on the Grammy stage. But less than a minute into Earthquake, the lush harmonies come to a stop. And Tyler, center stage now, begins to grunt and gasp into the microphone for 25 seconds straight. It only gets more beautifully bizarre from here as Tyler launches into the brash, frenetic introduction of his song, New Magic Wand. His body contorts and convulses, his blonde wig whipping violently as he lets out a primal scream. What commences on stage for the next three minutes is elegantly orchestrated chaos. Fifteen others dressed exactly like Tyler take the stage with him moshing and thrashing to his cues as the facade of houses on stage behind them catch fire. The performance ends with Tyler surrounded by flames, pantomiming a finger gun to his head before suddenly falling backwards off the stage and out of sight. Later that evening, Tyler would go on to win the Grammy for Rap Album of the Year for Igor, on which both Earthquake and New Magic Wand appear. It was the first Grammy of Tyler's career. And while he was genuinely happy to win, Tyler said he was actually most proud of what he brought to the Grammy stage. I'm just happy I got to perform uh, that type of music and that idea on the stage like this in the midst of all the other stuff that's usually here. That was my main concern this whole weekend. If I, I won and I'm super hyped, but Letting that exist in the midst of all of this was like something I'm just really hyped on. Tyler's atypical Grammy performance is symbolic of his larger place in music, never willing to fit the mold for commercial success, existing in his own self-made lane for over a decade. It's a position he'd often compare to a stepchild, one who's not as accepted or understood as much as the more marketable commercial darlings. Even the Grammy for Igor didn't sit perfectly with Tyler, as he won Best Rap Album for a project that doesn't have a whole lot of rapping on it. On one side, I'm very grateful that uh, what I made could just be acknowledged in a world like this, but also it sucks that whenever we, and I mean guys that look like me, do anything that's genre-bending or that's anything, they always put it in a rap or urban category. And I don't like that urban word, it's just a politically correct way to say the N-word to me. So when I hear that, I'm just like, why can't we just be in pop? Half of me feels like the, the rap nomination was a backhanded compliment. There's added irony to the fact that Igor won Best Rap Album, saying that on the day it came out, Tyler made it a point to tell us directly that Igor is not a rap album. Hours before its release, Tyler posted a note on social media warning, quote, 
Don't go into this expecting a rap album. Don't go into this expecting any album. Just go. The only description Tyler did give the album was just three words. Perhaps the only three words that can accurately describe this singular, genre-defying work of art. He simply said, this is Igor. Tyler the Creator's Igor is the honest, heartfelt expression of feeling while enveloped in the throes of a love triangle, using the situation of a man loving a man who loves another woman as a stage to explore acts of love, communication, and truth. Befitting Tyler's self-described position of stepchild, Igor builds on the historic associations of the Igor archetype to express his role in this love triangle, the lackey, the sidekick, the grotesque manservant. And like his performance at the Grammys, Igor fluctuates effortlessly between the beautiful and the ugly to communicate his wide-ranging emotional journey, coalescing a range of influences from 90s R&B, punk, neo-soul, rap, and 80s UK alt-pop into a genre-bending bouquet of virtuosic sonic arrangements. A song like Earthquake showcases the life-altering vulnerability of romantic connection. while a song like A Boy Is A Gun explores the disparate, dichotomous impacts of love's passion. Don't shoot me down. You so motherfucking dangerous. You so motherfucking dangerous. You got me by my neck. That's why these other niggas lame to us. Even songs like Gone Gone Thank You capture the acceptance of our lives' diverging journeys, appreciating the experiences we share together as worthwhile, regardless of any eventual heartbreak. In that same note on Igor's release day, Tyler gave some instructions on how to best experience the album, encouraging us to listen all the way through without distractions. Quote, no checking your phone, no watching TV, no holding combo. Full attention towards the sounds where you can form your own opinions and feelings towards the album. Some go on walks, some drive, some lay in bed and sponge it all up. Whatever you do, fully indulge with volume. And that's exactly what we're going to do this season. Over the next 13 episodes, we're going to fully indulge ourselves in this generational album by Music's Misfit Innovator, exploring every detail and flourish, doing our best to excavate its many thematic, emotional, and musical nuances. In doing so, we hope to take our journey with the album together as long as we can. We won't attempt to categorize, rank, or rate. Rather, we'll take the music exactly as it is and listen. So with that, and without further ado, let's dissect. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. 
When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Tyler, the creator's Igor, begins cinematically as a low, grimy synthesizer growls out a single note for a full 23 seconds. In a time when fast cuts and relentless action are used to appease short attention spans, this long-sustained note is a counterintuitive way to start an album. Yet, it's precisely because of its lack of motion that it grabs our attention. When I made Igor's theme, I put that long-ass intro because I, one, wanted to set up the album for, like, to get people's attention, and two... I knew at the shows I was going to have that bitch be a minute and 10 seconds just to hold niggas' attention because I think our whole, and I'm a guilty of it, our whole generation, we don't just be paying attention to shit like this. So I made sure at the shows I stand there for fucking three minutes and don't move just to get people's attention. And I I wanted to implement shit like that throughout the whole fucking album. Because we don't typically hear single notes held as long as the opening of Igor's theme, we're primed to anticipate something happening. At the very least, we anticipate the note itself to change for some variation in volume or rhythm or pitch. And when that doesn't happen, when our anticipation is sustained, suspense builds, mystery builds, because something has to happen eventually, right? We just don't know when. And the longer we're forced to wait, the more we anticipate that change. In the right hands, it's a powerful musical tool, as it can lead to incredibly impactful and dramatic moments when the change finally comes. In fact, two of the most well-known pieces of classical music actually open with a single note held over an extended period of time, not totally unlike Igor's theme. Here is Richard Strauss's Also Sprach der Thustra, which begins with a low, growling C sustained over 12 seconds. Described by the composer as a sunrise, this droning note builds suspense, allowing for the piece to erupt into its famous dawn motif, perhaps depicting the sun breaking over the horizon, the birth of a new day. Another famous example comes in Richard Wagner's Das Rheingold, which begins with a soft, low E-flat that's held for over 30 seconds. Like Strauss's piece, Das Rheingold's long opening note builds to a much grander motif. And like Strauss's piece, it depicts nature, and was once described as sounding like, quote, the birth of the world the act of creation itself. And 
both of these examples, the extended single note introduction is used to imply creation, as if the single note is the raw materials from which musical worlds are born. The instruments and melodies that emerge later feel as if they're growing or blossoming out from that single droning note, like foliage sprouting from soil. And we might use this line of thinking when considering Tyler's own extended opening note, as it's the introduction to the world of Igor, and it's the note from which the entire album is born. Tyler is world-building, and Distorted Low End is perhaps the album's most important raw ingredient, its cohesive glue, as we'll hear it in every song on Igor. And like Strauss and Wagner, Tyler uses the long sustain to build suspense and command attention, not only musically, but also thematically. Because the track title is Igor's theme, we can't help but to associate this instrument and its jagged, harsh edges and low, gravelly register with the Igor character the album centers around. The drama and suspense of the single note begins to build mystique around Igor, like a film first showing its superhero or villain enshrouded in shadows. We also have to consider the fact that Tyler chose to play this note on a synthesizer, most likely one from his vintage collection, which includes a Roland Juno 6, JX-8P, and Roland DX-7. These synthesizers were created and produced in the 1980s, when synth technology had become compact and affordable enough to be used by everyday musicians, and thus dominated much of the music from that decade. Beginning Igor with a 23-second showcase of an 80s synthesizer befits an album heavily inspired by music from that era. The 80s is becoming my favorite time. Not just music, but overall. overall. And I, I used to hate it, but now it's slowly becoming my favorite because of the sector of music mm. that I've like, I found over the years. I mean, everything but the girl, Sade, mm. the, the, the style council, mm. uh, so much weird, like white, white people making, <laughs> trying to make like black soulish music, but they didn't, they grew up kind of white pop stuff. So this mesh that it made is beautiful. And mm. Freeze, yeah, uh, yeah, level yeah. 42. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, yeah. these kids just making this very mature pop, but they clearly study jazz. Yeah. So, but they they clearly hang out with punk kids because they're <laughs> like leather. Like it's, it's this mesh and I gravitated to that because they didn't really stick to one thing. And I was like, oh, this is fire. Two-way army. Are we friends, Electric? Bro, that... Mm -hmm. mm. Here, Tyler cites a few UK bands from the 80s, including the Style Council, Freeze, and Tubeway Army. We'll hear more of these bands' influence as the album progresses, but it's important to note that the first instrument we hear on the album can be traced back to the era Tyler stated was an influence during its creation. Finally, another cool effect created by the long sustained synth note is that it contains no rhythmic information, which means it's impossible to know what the tempo or meter of the song is. And because there's no steady pulse or beat to follow, there's no practical way to predict when the drums will enter. And so when the drums finally do make their entrance, they're extremely impactful no matter how many times we've heard the track, as they always come as a bit of a surprise.
drums heard throughout Igor's theme are sampled from a 1970s song called Attention by Head West. The first and last bar of this drum passage are sampled and spliced together to create the pattern we hear throughout Igor's theme. The drums from Head West's Attention have actually been sampled in over 15 different songs, including Mac Miller's Red Dot music from watching movies with the sound off, an album Tyler himself appears on. In Tyler's particular sample of Head West drums, there's an intense vinyl crackle that can be heard, likely picked up while sampling straight from an original vinyl, adding a subtle texture and analog warmth to Igor's theme's musical fabric. And while the drums make the most immediate impact during this section, we shouldn't overlook some subtle musical details Tyler includes here as it's precisely because of the details that Igor's theme is so successful in sustaining our attention despite having very minor vocal parts and lacking a typical song structure. First, we notice a subtle, airy synth playing a high E-flat, helping to create tension and suspense. We also hear an uncredited voice saying what or one, which might be the same voice or sample we hear in the beginning of Tyler's song 48 from his 2013 album Wolf. Finally, during this part, we can also hear Tyler breathing on the downbeats, adding a subtle rhythmic texture not unlike what we heard on the Grammy stage. I breathe a lot on this album. Yeah. Because my, like, recording, like, my asthma flares up randomly. So a lot of the things, like, I would actually breathe on. And then at some point I was like, fuck it. I'm going to just breathe yeah. <laughs> on a lot. So Igor's theme, I think this one I breathe on, New Magic Wand, the end of what's good. Like, I just made it a thing. The hard breathing heard throughout Igor is a sonic motif that pairs nicely with one of the album's most prominent thematic motifs, running, which fittingly is the very first thing we hear Tyler say on the album. After all this buildup, Tyler's first word, running, is placed on a pedestal. And void of context, it offers multiple possible interpretations. There's running as in the exercise, or natural mode of transportation. We think of the teaser for New Magic Wand before the album's release, where Tyler, dressed as Igor, runs alone through the desert. Interestingly, you can be running towards something, a destination or a goal, or you can run away from something, something that scares or endangers you. As we'll see, both interpretations will have relevance to Igor's narrative, where Tyler or Igor will end up chasing the very thing he once ran from. Running also requires effort. It's the act of trying to do something. In this sense, we get the notion that Tyler is earnest in his pursuits, giving it his all. Finally, running as a central concept provides crucial context to the Vote Igor merchandise associated with this album era, 
With campaign buttons, posters, shirts, and even yard signs, Tyler launched a fake political campaign for fans to quote-unquote vote Igor, as if he was running for office. What exactly Tyler was running for became clear when the album's narrative was revealed, wherein Tyler tries to win the love of a person split between two options, Tyler or a woman. Tyler or Igor wants to be chosen. He wants the man to vote Igor, and that's why he's running. The second word we hear Tyler say on the album is heaven. It perhaps evokes more questions than answers. Is heaven or the idea of bliss the desired destination of his run? Is it a description of the run or journey itself? Or maybe it's something else entirely. At this stage, it's hard to know. But we gain possible insight into both running and heaven when we take into consideration some of the live performances during the Igor tour, when Tyler would include a short verse on the second repetition of this running section, a verse that offers a greater preview of the narrative of Igor. Tyler here raps, running from the space, going nowhere, let's get to the place. I got to heaven and he closed the gates. A halo to my heart and now he's coming. Here we get a brief synopsis of the album's upcoming narrative that centers on Tyler's infatuation with a love interest. Going nowhere seems to suggest that the relationship has issues and doesn't achieve anything. And the request, let's go to the place, is a call to action, to reach some destination together. Tyler then saying, I got to heaven and he closed the gates, foreshadows an anticlimax as Tyler reaches the ultimate destination, heaven, and is denied entry by this male figure. With heaven as the location, the line, halo to my heart, makes sense as a traditional symbol of holiness. Given that the lover has left Tyler behind, he might be saying that his love has gone or passed away, and its place in the afterlife with the halo demonstrates that it was pure love. The haloed heart with a band-aid that appeared on some Igor tour merch would reinforce this concept, as the heart gets battered and bruised on this journey of love, and in the end remains sanctified, preserved by the art of this album. The finale of And Now He's Coming is vague, setting up the introduction of a character, building mystique and suspense. As we'll see, the he that's coming is the alter ego Igor, the result of the love and loss Tyler experiences, an outlet for his most intense emotions in the aftermath of this failed relationship. Now, musically during this section, the synth finally moves away from that single note E-flat to reveal a bass line that will repeat for the majority of the track. Introducing the song's foundational bass part here keeps the piece propelling forward. As we'll see, Tyler sustains our attention by consistently introducing new elements and details every four bars or so. As Igor's theme continues, Lil Uzi Vert enters to contribute the only real refrain of the song. During a conversation with Rick Rubin, Tyler talked about how Uzi's feature was a spontaneous, last-minute addition to the record. I remember you telling me that the first song was going to be an instrumental, mm -hmm. and you had always had it as an instrumental, and then you kind of came up with a hook last minute. And when, how did the hook come about? I was with Uzi, Lil Uzi Vert, who's just at studio hanging. I'm working on this and I 
couldn't come up with words, but I had this melody. So I'm in there playing on the piano, the melody. And then he takes that melody and just adds words and sings it right. And I'm like, just add it real quick. Just lay that ref down for me because your voice sounds good doing it. And that's the song. It's nothing deep. So cool. No, that's nothing. Great. That's literally what it was. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, that's all I need. Thank you. I didn't even know that was going to make it. It just worked out so perfectly. Tyler here implies that there's not a lot of thought or depth to Uzi's refrain of riding around town, they gonna feel this one. But as he then says, it just worked out so perfectly. Like running, riding or traveling is a central motif on the album, a core concept of Tyler's worldview. Perhaps Tyler is riding around his love interest, feeling the love, and hoping they feel the same. But given its placement as the first full phrase we hear on the album, riding around town they gonna feel this one also feels self-referential, that we, the listeners, are going to feel this album. As we discussed at the top of this episode, upon the release of Igor, Tyler requested that fans listen to the album in its entirety without distractions, though he did acknowledge that some process music best while in motion, be it a walk, drive, bike ride, or jog. Getting out and moving is the journey of life, and it's clear that riding around, be it on his bike, on a plane, or in his car, has shaped Tyler's worldview. That's why we're supposed to call him when we get lost. Riding around town they gon' feel this one is a dream, Tyler hoping that as we go through life and listen to this album, we feel it, we let it sink in and connect with the music. The ensuing phrase, got my eyes open, continues this emphasis of feeling, as open eyes are using the sense of sight, allowing for a more vivid experience of the world. This sort of awareness, this commitment to being awake, shows that Tyler is alert and ready for what's coming. The line also foreshadows events in the second half of the narrative, where Tyler will see past the blinders of his romantic infatuation and realize the feeling isn't mutual between him and his beloved, and that he needs to let go. While Uzi's entrance alone is enough to sustain our interest during this section, Tyler also continues to build the track dynamically by adding three additional instruments to the mix. First, a low bass enters to fill out the low end, playing the same sequence as the fuzzy synth, only two octaves lower. Another synth is also added to the mix, playing chords. Finally, midway through this section, we hear a subtle duet between two synths, one bouncy and staccato, the other more subdued and spacey. Along with Uzi's layered vocals, adding low-end bass, mid-range chordal harmony, and a synth duet fills out the dynamic range of the track, bringing it to its loudest, fullest section thus far. This allows the track to then break down in the next section, while also introducing a new, symbolically crucial instrument to the song and album, the piano. We'll talk about that right after the break. Welcome back to Dissect. Before the break, we heard the loudest, fullest portion of Igor's theme so far. Is because the song reaches this dynamic high, then it can now break down, introducing a new instrument to the mix, the piano. With 
the introduction of the piano, the distorted synths and low end are removed from the mix, allowing us to hear for the first time the song's chord progression with clarity. According to Tyler, these chords were the first thing he wrote for the track, and everything evolved from there. So for Igor's theme, it was literally just the chords or whatever that I was just fucking with, and I just had them in the back of my mind, and I never had nothing to go with it. I found that drum break, and I'm like, oh, this shit is hard. Put that on, was like, oh, added that to it, added the synth and stuff. Not only is the chord sequence the genesis of Igor's theme, fans of Tyler the Creator know that chords or harmony in general are an extremely important aspect of his music and something he's incredibly passionate about. Here's Tyler in conversation with Zane Lowe, talking about how his love of chords goes all the way back to his childhood before he even knew what they were called. I think everyone, whether it's a movie, and Quentin Tarantino will probably agree with this, whether it's a movie or music, everyone tries to recreate they try to make stuff that gives them the feeling that something else had. Mm. Not necessarily make the same thing, but the feeling. So when I was four, five, six, seven, and I heard Brandy's uh, Always On My Mind, mm. number 10 off that album, mm. or mm. Uh, number eight off Faith's album, Soon As I Get Home, mm-hmm. or uh, Sweet Taste of Love by Jeanet. And there's those, when I was younger, I didn't know what the f- chords were. I just mm. said, Mom, it goes up and down, it slopes. It's a feeling that that mm. shit gave me. Mm. And every, the music I like all have that. And people, I know I probably sound like a broken record. Chords, 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 Tyler, chords. Like that's all, but that's the shit that I fucking care about more than anything. I listen mm. to music all day. So I wanted to make sure that this album, every song gave me that feeling of Jesus fucking Christ. I want, every time I hear this album, I'm like, oh, I didn't, I couldn't have made this. Here Tyler names a few influential songs he grew up hearing, which includes Faith Evans' As Soon As I Get Home. Track 8 on her 1995 album, Faith. Given his natural proclivity for chords, it's not hard to understand why this song would catch Tyler's ear and make such an indelible impression on him at a young age. It's full of incredibly rich and unpredictable chord sequences. Now, there's a number of interesting things happening in the sequence, but what I'd like to point out is its use of what are called seventh chords. The most common, run-of-the-mill chord contains three notes. A seventh chord is when a fourth note is added to the chord, specifically the seventh scale degree. Here's what that same chord sounds like with the added note. Here it is without the extra note, and again with the added note. Makes a pretty big difference, right? It's richer, denser, and sonically much more interesting. Now, I took the time to call your attention to these added note chords because it's precisely these types of chords that we're going to hear throughout Igor, and they're the chords we hear specifically during this section of Igor's theme. It begins with an E-flat minor 7th chord, moves to a B7 add 2, which is actually a 5-note chord, which is followed by a B-flat minor 7 add 2, another 5-note chord, and finally, a D-flat major 7. And now let's hear the sequence in full, with bass and rhythm added.
On its own, the piano part is an extremely rich, beautiful sequence of chords. But the interesting thing is that this chord sequence shares the same foundation as the harsh, distorted synth sequence we heard in the first minute of Igor's theme. Knowing the chords were conceived first for this song, we can assume Tyler simply took the root or bass note of each chord in the sequence and played it on his vintage synth. And that's how this becomes this. And so what we have is two iterations of the same musical idea, one harsh and ugly, the other beautiful and harmonious. And according to Tyler, this juxtaposition, which was also on display at his Grammy performance, is precisely what he's been trying to accomplish his entire career. Because when I hear you, like the songs you're making, I'm like, damn, man, like, how did you even know to go from there to there? Because some of the most experienced songwriters would think that that chord progression is broken. Like, you shouldn't be able to go from there to there, but it's just so oh, instinctive. No, it's all, it's all feeling. It's just what my ear gravitates to. And mm -hmm. it's either always, since day one, I've always wanted to make the prettiest mm -hmm. that's borderline boring mm -hmm. or the hardest fucking shit. And I've, I've been trying to mix those together since my first album. Mm. Literally, the hardest and the prettiest shit. This contrast of beautiful and ugly, hard and pretty, is a motif we're going to hear throughout Igor, not only in its music, but also in the identity of the album's central character, Igor, who will be formally introduced on the track in just a few moments. But first we hear a repetition of the opening synth riff, followed by another iteration of the Riding Around Town section. Rather than repeat the refrain verbatim, this time around we hear additional voices from Amanda Brown and Tiffany Stevenson backing up Uzi's vocals. According to Stevenson, the vocal flourishes we hear extending outside Uzi's original melody was something she just improvised while recording. She told Vibe, quote, We were singing on top of Uzi's part, and I was being silly, and I did something in the booth. And he was like, do that. You have to do that. I ended up doing something super churchy on the song, and he actually kept it, unquote. Adding Brown and Stevenson to the mix gives this repeated section interesting variation and a warm feminine presence, helping to develop the contrast of beautiful and ugly. Also, if you listen very closely in the background, you'll notice that a new organ-like instrument enters to play a part we'll only hear once in the track. Now that you've heard it soloed, see if you can spot it in the original. While I don't have any science to back me up, I believe it's these kind of nuanced, subtle details that we pick up on a subconscious level, and it's what makes Igor so endlessly replayable because we're always hearing something new each and every time we listen, even if we can't point it out consciously. Now, as we just heard, with the addition of the female vocalist and that new synth, the dynamic range of this section intensifies, culminating into the formal introduction of the album's main character. For a moment, the track comes to a screeching halt, allowing for the moniker Igor to be proclaimed boldly, in all caps. Traditionally, Igor is a sort of stock character, a cultural archetype commonly associated with horror or gothic stories, Igor commonly appears as an assistant to a villain, often with some physical deformity, like a lazy eye and or a severely hunched back. 
The origin of this specific archetype is the early Frankenstein film series and has inspired numerous takes on the Igor character in various films and TV shows ever since. While the face of Tyler's Igor on the album cover feels aesthetically in line with the traditional Igor archetype with its high contrast black and white, crude flat top, and slightly lopsided eyes, Igor outside the album cover wears colorful suits with Doc Martens and sports a blonde bowl-cut wig with sunglasses. When asked about the origins of the wig and character silhouette, Tyler described the process as one of pure creativity for creativity's sake. Like, I just had this idea, all right, I want a wig shaped like this, and then I went to the wig people, and they had, I picked out the specific blonde I wanted, wow. and we got them made. Put it on. And it was that, I got a flat top made, like mm -hmm. this weird yeah. flat top wig made, but yeah. it wasn't sick and like a longer version of the one I have, mm. but the one I've always wanted was this. And I've been drawing that character for like three years now. It and it's actually, it's actually in a stop motion that I did for this Vice show. It's a little stop motion video thing I did. It has black hair, but it's the short bob cut and the turtleneck and the glasses and the, and the gold teeth. Mm. And it's in that. And then I just was like, I'm gonna switch it to blonde just based on the undertones of my skin. Was it a subconscious drawing or were you drawing inspiration from something else? You'd I don't know. I just thought it would be a cool character. Just yeah, a yeah. tall, slim suit, blonde hair. And like black dudes don't really have hair like that. I think the closest thing was Ike Turner mm. with that mm -hmm, like cut, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it, wasn't, it wasn't blonde. So I was like, oh, I'll run the blonde one. Here, Tyler notes how what became Igor was originally a character he was just drawing and ended up using for the Vice show Nuts and Bolts when tasked with learning how to make a stop-motion video. This pre-Igor character in the stop-motion film is aggressively focused on taking what he wants, not unlike the Igor we will meet on the album, who is dead set on taking his love interest away from his girl. Well, I don't ask him at a helmet house. Him and your what? With a little car collection? With his little fuck buddies? Man, that motherfucker don't put no threat to me. Look, he got what I want, and I ain't afraid to get that. And don't you forget that. In this same episode where he created this character, Tyler explained why he likes to draw and create fantasies, giving us a glimpse into his approach to world building. I draw, you know, almost every day. And I love cartoons. Cartoons just do whatever. I want to just build my own world because it's a safe place, whether it's my room, coming up with these imaginary characters and things like that, making a sound that's the soundtrack to this bigger world that's I feel safe in. Here Tyler reveals that his created worlds and characters are a safe place, perhaps lending insight into the world of Igor, a safe place to process the emotions of love and loss brought about by his failed attempts at romance. Since that Nuts and Bolts episode in 2017, the character that became Igor evolved into a more androgynous figure. This perhaps stems from the fact that Igor was inspired by photos of women with the same silhouette. He told GQ in 2019, quote, With the scarf and the cool blazer, it's like I don't have the hair to pull off that silhouette. So it's like, man, if I was a fucking white lady in Denmark, unquote. With this reference to a woman in mind, the androgyny of Igor feels more intentional, with Tyler perhaps using the character to move with gender and expectations more freely. It also ties into the infusion of beautiful and ugly, as the more coarse, grotesque Igor we see on the album cover contrasts with the refined elegance of the wigged Igor in a suit. Like the distorted synth and beautiful piano chords stemming from the same chord progression, Igor's ability to inhabit both sides of the spectrum, physically but also emotionally, is something that will track all season. When asked what the difference between beautiful and ugly is, Tyler told Fantastic Man magazine, quote, They could be the same thing on different spectrums, 
Everyone has seen something that is ugly, but you're so intrigued by it that it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. It's the same thing, unquote. Tyler was then asked a follow-up question. Do you feel like a beautiful man? He responded, quote, I'm beautiful. I'm gorgeous. My mind is beautiful. That's a fact. And I'm ugly at the same time. That's crazy, right? Unquote. Finally, we have to consider one more possible reference point for Tyler's Igor, which is Wes Anderson's 2014 film, The Grand Budapest Hotel. In that movie, there's a bellhop character named Igor. Tyler famously wore a bellhop costume to the 2019 Grammy Awards, which is likely either an homage to Pharrell's 2015 Grammy performance where he also wore the bellhop uniform, or to the Budapestian bellhop Igor from Anderson's film. Tyler's fandom and respect for Wes Anderson is very well known at this point, and Anderson's film and general aesthetic continues to be an ongoing influence. Here's Tyler in 2015 talking about Anderson on Big Boy TV. Things like that. I'm also a visual guy. Okay. So I like watching movies and stuff. And so like, that's why you like Wes favorite. Anderson movies. Yeah, I love Wes. What's I love your favorite Paul Wes Anderson Tom. movie? Uh, Moonrise Kingdom, <gasps> but Mr. <laughs> Fantastic <laughs> Fox Fantastic is is great. Mm-hmm. But the characters of the Royal Tenenbaum Hilarious. Really, yeah. Yeah. really good. But the Grand the Grand Hotel is Grand Budapest. That's Shot his well. best. Like from a technical point, mm-hmm. he that's like the one where he knew it's like Wes Anderson. He was showing off in that movie. Yeah. He knows <laughs> he what he was showing, he showing off in that movie. <laughs> the bellhop character named Igor in the Grand Budapest Hotel feels in line with the gothic character's typical position as assistant. Both are in service to one another, a subservient role not unlike Tyler's position in the love triangle of Igor. Well, of course, we're merely speculating here. If Tyler was in fact identifying with these subservient characters, It does fall in line with the stepchild analogy we talked about in this episode's introduction. Here's Tyler making that analogy during a 2019 speech he gave after receiving the Wall Street Journal's Music Innovator Award. My whole life I felt like a stepchild uh, in school, uh, at home, and especially in music and rap where where I uh, have a profession. Like seventh grade, I got in a fight with some guy because he said, you don't belong on the basketball court, which he was right. I'm trash. Uh, Eighth grade, I tried out for drama club. I got in and got kicked out within an hour because she said I was too hyper. I was standing on chairs, definitely, but I still think that I should have stayed in there. Ninth grade, they wouldn't let me join band class because I couldn't read music but I still had the passion, and I'm on two instruments now, picking up a third. But when all that happened, I said, fuck them. I didn't let none of that shit stop me from doing anything that I wanted to do. As Tyler says, he felt like a stepchild, stereotypically someone abandoned and cared for only as a necessity, a second-best option who takes up space. It's a feeling of inferiority that can lead to lashing out, an acquiescence much like a permanent assistant or bellhop might feel. And while all these proposed analogies and parallels feel grounded and in line with Igor's central narrative, we do have to mention what Tyler told The Face magazine, where he essentially dismissed any deep meaning behind the character, saying, quote, No, I don't feel like a monster. Everyone on Reddit and the message boards with their theories. It's fucking weird. You be yourself, do your fucking thing, but no, it's nothing at all. Igor is just a sick word, unquote. When asked directly if he ever saw any of the Frankenstein movies, Tyler said, quote, No. I wish I was lying, unquote. While Tyler might not feel like a monster, it's hard not to see a parallel between the relationship dynamics of Frankenstein and the narrative of the Igor album. In both, Igor is subservient to someone who is dedicated to someone else. In Frankenstein, Igor is subservient to the mad scientist, who is infatuated with his creation Frankenstein. In Tyler's Igor, 
Tyler is infatuated with a male love interest who is in a relationship with another woman. In the end, it's perhaps legendary audio engineer Neil Pogue who mixed the album, who had the best take on the Igor title, and why it was a perfect choice for the album. It's just so interesting. Plus, Igor, and let's keep in mind, Igor was also a, a servant too, right? So he served. So it's so, so there's so many sides to that name, you know what I mean? So much. It's about giving. It's about it's. It's really about service. You know. It's about uh. It's unexplainable, really. I mean, it's hard to explain what Igor is. So I think it's such a perfect word. It's a perfect name to to give an album because people are going to think one thing. Someone's going to think something else. You know. But if you get deep into who Igor is, you'll then you'll then you'll understand. Yeah. Igor. During the section that directly follows Igor's introduction, the song once again breaks down, but instead of piano chords playing the chord sequence, we now hear it from an imitation choir. We also hear the repetition of the word Dao, which is sourced from a VST preset called Jazz Stacks Dao Falls by Omnisphere. It's another part we'll only hear once in the song, as the track quickly moves further into its breakdown by removing the drums, reintroducing the piano, and adding a new vocal part. A mini choir of voices from Tiffany Stevenson, Amanda Brown, and Anthony Evans all sing Yaho in a lush, layered melody that briefly moves up before descending back down. While it could just be a filler line, it's very likely Tyler here is nodding to rapper Juicy J's famous ad-lib, first heard on 3-6 Mafia's Mafia N-Words. The song is featured on 3-6 Mafia's 2000 album When the Smoke Clears, an album that also features their hit Sippin' on Some Syrup, which Tyler once freestyled over in the early Odd Future days. Tall, skinny, flocko, that's for my nigga Paco. I inch a lot of bitches and I'm eating up they taco. Eat. Tyler also once tweeted that he was currently listening to a 3-6 Mafia song, so it stands to reason that his Yaho is a nod to the group. After the conclusion of this vocal passage, Tyler sustains our attention by introducing yet another new synth line, which is soon joined by a second, more staccato synth. During this section, we also hear again the lyrical fragments Got My Eyes Open and Running. Then, in its final two bars, the section totally decomposes as we hear just the piano Got My Eyes Open, followed by a brief moment of silence. In total, this breakdown section is nearly 50 seconds long. For me, it's one of the more impressive sections of the entire album, showcasing Tyler's skill as a composer someone who is actively considering every nuance of his composition and how it contributes to the overall experience. Like a great storyteller, he introduces enough new material to keep our interest while gradually manipulating the dynamic range of the song, winding it down to its quietest moment, stripping everything away but the raw piano chords. Because in order to have a high, you must have a low. 
And it's this extended low that makes what happens next feel like a punch in the throat. In this explosive section, Tyler brings back the loudest elements we heard during the track's refrain and adds a synth solo consisting of high, rapid 16th notes, the fastest succession of notes in the entire song, providing a feeling of frenzy and chaos. Turns out Tyler primed us for this solo, as the previous synth part we just heard in the breakdown uses the same three notes in a similar pattern. And so this transforms into this. If this weren't a high enough high, the synth actually climbs into the next highest octave and begins playing long drawn out quarter notes, a stark contrast to the rapid 16th notes it began with. Contrast in rhythm and the switch to a higher register makes this part feel incredibly climactic, like a singer belting out the final long notes of a song. Adding to this climactic moment is an extremely effective rhythmic shift in which Tyler suddenly shortens the length of each bass note and cuts out the drums to match, creating a stop and go effect. What makes this part even cooler is that Tyler fills that empty space with chordal stabs played on a brassy synthesizer, creating a call and response between these chords and the bass and drums. Now, as if this wasn't enough, Tyler adds a brilliant detail, probably my personal favorite detail of the entire song which are these subtle but extremely effective rolled chords played on what sounds like a Rhodes keyboard. And now try to pick them out in the actual song. To me, these high-rolled chords sound like melting candy. Frankly, this entire section is incredible, and of course, it's only played once, making it that much more special and effective each and every time we hear it. And it all builds to the final punch of the song, where we hear a primal scream, perhaps from Igor himself. As a result, the track collapses on itself, and we hear an outro that feels like a plume of dust and smoke after a violent explosion. Conclusions. 
On the cover art for Igor, below the large crude black and white portrait, there's a blurb of small text, a snippet of the album's credits. It reads, All songs written, produced, and arranged by Tyler Okonma. In conversation with Zane Lowe, Tyler revealed the intention behind his decision to put this detail on the cover. I saw a comment, no one cares that you produced and arranged it, Tyler, but me letting people know that will allow different doors to open. That's not me just doing voiceovers or a verse. Like, me, me being adamant about having that on the cover when, I, when I'm designing it is letting people know, hey, let me make the score for your movie or let me do this and that. And in 20 years, like, that detail will pay off. I put that on the Flower Boy, the other cover too. Mm. And I'm gonna just try to keep, I wish I did that since day one. I need people to know that, oh, this is, I, this is the full idea. This yeah. isn't just me rapping over some random, like this was the full idea. Everything yeah. is very particular. Like the credits on the album cover, Igor's theme is a statement, a deliberate showcase of Tyler's talents as a composer, producer, and arranger, as he crafts a three minute and 20 second song that does not rely on vocals to sustain our attention. Rather, as we acknowledge at length in this episode, Intricate musical details, instrumentation choices, motivic development, unexpected dynamic shifts, and more culminate into an introductory auditory voyage, setting the album in motion as we prepare to ride around town feeling this one. Even the use of the word theme in the song title shows intent, as a theme in orchestral music is the central musical idea stated at the beginning of a piece that is then developed over the course of the entire composition. Similarly, Igor's theme establishes the sonic world in which Igor lives or embodies. Tyler establishes two of the album's central instruments, the piano and the distorted synth, two instruments that help develop the contrast of beautiful and ugly reflected in the narrative's central character. Even the limited vocal snippets in the track seem to deliberately foreshadow the narrative to come. Riding around and running establish the central motif of movement. Heaven offers an ethereal destination or reward. He's coming foreshadows the entrance of the story's protagonist, Got My Eyes Open points to revelatory preparedness and action. Igor formally introduces the album's central character, and Yaho swings us into motion. And in this way, Igor's theme is also similar to an overture, which is an instrumental introduction performed before an opera, ballet, or musical. Overtures contain previews of the central musical themes that will be heard in the performance, helping to establish the world in which the upcoming story takes place, while also building anticipation before the curtain rises and the show begins. Often the transition between the overture and the start of the play is seamless. And likewise, Igor's theme transitions seamlessly into the album's second track, the formal start of its story. Of course, this is Earthquake, a song we'll unpack note by note, line by line, next time on Dissect. This episode of Dissect was written by Camden Ostrander and me. If you enjoyed today's episode, please tell a friend about the new season or share on social media and tag at Dissect Podcast. It really helps. Limited season 10 merchandise can be purchased at dissectpodcast.com. Audio editing by Kevin Pooler. 
song recreations by Andrew Atwood. Theme music by Bureaucratic. All right, thanks everyone. Talk to you next week.